Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into today's podcast. I'm Brian Zimmerman with Becker's Healthcare, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Shez Partovi, Chief Innovation and Strategy Officer and Chief Business Leader of Enterprise Informatics at Royal Phillips. Shez, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Great. So, so, so let's get started here, and and maybe just to begin, uh, just so folks out there listening can really appreciate your perspective, if you could just introduce yourself again and 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 share a bit about your role and, and professional background. Sure, Shaz uh, Partovi, as you said, uh, innovation and strategy officer and business leader for enterprise informatics, physician by training. You know, I practiced for about ten years uh, as a neuroradiologist, and then did a number of startups before. Uh, becoming chief digital officer for a large health system and then moving over to Amazon and working at AWS. Joined uh, Philips here about two years ago in and this sort of dual role and, and in one role, of course, strategy innovation. I help uh, uh, shape the strategy of the company, working with the business unit leaders and with the CEO in terms of direction we're going and how we want to innovate to advance that strategy. And then I also run one of the businesses, uh, Enterprise Informatics, is a global health, health uh, excuse me, global software business inside uh, um, Philips. And uh, so both of those roles come both from a software perspective globally, as well as in innovation and strategy. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you on, Shaz. And let's dive in here. I, I think it's it's pretty well known that healthcare organizations have access to tons of data, but it's sort of difficult to to extract some of the actionable insights out of that data and make it useful. Uh, can can you just at a high level explain why is this the case? Where is all this data coming from? Yeah, well, yeah, we're facing a tsunami of data in healthcare. Look, uh, with the um, with the advent of electronic medical records and the rapid digitization of data across health systems across the world. So what happened is you end up with this tsunami of data, so much data. And the challenge is, of course, it's not just data that clinicians, physicians, nurses want, but rather the meaning behind the data. A good example is if I told you I'm going to give you an Excel file with, let's say, 10 terabytes of weather data for a particular city. That's not as useful to you as an icon that says sunshine or umbrella. What that is, is they're converting the, all that data into meaning for you so you can action. Either you grab an umbrella, take a jacket, or you wear a t-shirt. So it's the same in healthcare. All this data is being generated and we're just shoving this data in front of clinicians, but what they wanna say, well, what does it mean? And so with, with that's the heart of the matter is going from data to insights is the story of, can you help me predict a condition? Can you help me operationally forecast something in a hospital? And so that's the that's the real trick to solve is to go from data to meaning. Um, you know, there's there's one other thing which is the actual the uh, the compounding factor here in healthcare today is that there is an incredible uh, sense of burnout among physicians. So while they're being asked to do more with less, and there's a burnout happening among clinicians, like forty seven percent of physicians say they're suffering from burnout. Then combine all of that with a tsunami of data that says, okay, now sift through all this data, figure out the meaning. So it's the perfect storm for health systems, for physicians, for nurses, is that everything seems to be coming at it and causing a lot of strain. Uh, thank thank you for laying all that out, Shaz. And it, it is a really complicated problem. Um, and, and you alluded to a, a bit in terms of what, what folks can do, just really unpack this data and get to that meeting. Can you talk even more about how people can, how, how organizations can really manage the tsunami of data um, and, and, you know, how can they take those insights and really, you know, drive some, some, some changes, address yeah. some of these challenges? 
Well, the, uh, mercifully, if you will, there are technologies that help you go from, from sort of data to insights. And a, a great example of that would be generative AI or just AI in general, um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, where you're able to extract meaning because the machines can process the data so much faster and then bring out the meaning and and and, and what it means. A great example of that would be, for example, to be able to, uh, we, in, in Philips, we have technology that actually will monitor 24 hours of a heart rhythm and then predict if in the next um, two weeks, the patient might have a life-threatening arrhythmia. And so on the one hand, you have 24 hours of um, data. On the other hand, you have a meaning that says this patient might or might not have life-threatening. And so this uh, life-threatening arrhythmia. And so this is the an example of going from data to insights. It's the insight behind the data. It's the uh, clinical prediction, if you will. And, and, in, and if you talk about sort of using AI on data, you should frame it in, well, generally, I think it's useful to frame it in two broad senses, which is, are you seeking clinical insights into care to optimize care delivery? Or are you, clinic, are you seeking operational insights to run um, a facility better, a, a, a hospital better? I remember having a conversation with the chief operating officer and she said to me, look, she says, I don't wanna know what's happening in my emergency department today. I want to be able to dial forward. Tell me how busy my emergency department is going to be next Friday. And this idea of predicting operational activities so that you can right-size staffing, right-size inventory, right-size all the is another aspect because there's a lot of data to do with operations as well. So these are examples where you can look at going from data to meaning clinically, improve quality of care, reduce cost of care by predicting things, or operationally by really right-sizing your operations so that you have minimal wastage and maximum productivity in, in whatever it is you're doing. Those are sort of two broad categories and examples. Yeah, I appreciate you breaking it out into those two buckets there and, and getting some specifics around, around how these insights can really help help drive change. And, and, and you talked about AI. And, and so I really want to hear more about you know, how Philips is approaching informatics, technology, innovation, of course, to support hospitals and health systems, but thinking about that in the context of sort of the, the industry's growing adoption of artificial intelligence here. Yeah, so, you know, we when you take all the examples I gave and this tsunami of data I talked about, we are living in a world where um, we have a, basically clinicians are facing a wealth of data and a poverty of insights. And, and so Philips, wants to be able to contribute to that frictionless um, gaining of insights from data. We don't want to be the contributor to the friction of, of how do you manage data that's unstructured, that's uh, that's difficult to uh, that's difficult to understand. And so our perspective is how do we make technology be servant technology that actually serves the clinicians? And so we have our main focus, if you will, in this sort of modern age of of helping generate insights at scale, is in everything we build, we ask the question, are we putting simply data in front of our clinicians and our customers and patients and consumers, or are we helping them understand the meaning behind it? And so we have design teams, AI, data and AI teams. We have all sorts of activities and assessments and, and experiments we run with our customers together to make sure that it's everything we do is done in the way of um, generating insights, not just that. I'll give you a specific example. You probably are familiar with bedside monitors where if you're lying in a bed and there's a little, little uh, waveform going showing how your heart rate's doing and how your blood pressure or your respiration is doing. Well, a lot of times we hear from nursing teams 
that they don't just want to see the waveforms. They say, tell me when will this patient come off the ventilator? I need to be able to plan the likelihood if this patient is going to come off the ventilator tomorrow or the day after. And so they're saying, can you give me a clock that counts down to the number of hours before they come off ventilator? That's an example where we're working with customers to say, what meaning do you want behind this data? And how do we design something so that it gives you that meaning in a frictionless, effortless way in your workflow? That's our objective. That's our goal. And it's fascinating to think about too. This this feedback is coming directly from the front line. You're 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 gathering this stuff directly from from people who will benefit from the solution, right? Yeah, it, it's it's an important part of being able to absolutely. The short answer is yes. And it's a this process we go through is called co-creation, where we meet with our customers and we actually co-create solutions together with them, uh, putting. Um, if you will, insights in in front of uh, uh, clinicians is best when they tell you how they want those insights and what problems they're trying to solve. What is the challenge they have? And so absolutely co-creation is the way to go. And so then can, can we talk a little bit more here, Shez, about sort of what you're anticipating with the next iterations of, of generative AI um, and, you know, thinking about that again in the light of all the data that's being gathered here. Uh, can, can you talk even more about sort of how this technology can help address some of the challenges, you know, yeah. the daily challenges like workforce shortages, cost pressures, uh, efficiencies, those sort of things. You know, the um, it, gosh, there's so many different ways to look at this. Let's let's start with one. I talked about it partially, but let me just give a little deeper insight there. When you talk about generative AI, you can think of it in three frames. What will the patient benefit from? What will the clinician benefit from? What will the administrator benefit from? And in some ways, I talked about the clinician and, and the administrator. The administrator gets to understand the way their operations run, how can they predict operational forecasting. We talked a bit about the clinicians as well um, in terms of being able to get meaning behind the data. Um, if And a great example of the clinician is not just the meaning in the data that's in their system, but a lot of times clinicians are also being given data from outside their hospital and they have to sift through that data. And so... Um, these um, foundation models, these large language models in generative AI will be able to support the clinician in not only processing the data that's in their organization, but more and more as we talk about interoperability and moving data to the point of care so that you can maximize care. It means data coming from outside your organization that the tsunami just got bigger. And so there's another area where uh, large language models and foundation models in generative AI can help the clinician manage both the internal and external data. And then the patient story is really interesting. I think there'll be a time when patients, you probably have heard of ChatGTP, you probably have even seen um, uh, this, uh, the, there's a there's a toolkit that allows you to, and the, the tagline they say is talk to a PDF file. I can't remember the name of the company that makes that little plugin, but you can imagine a time not too far, and I mean like soon, where patients will talk to their medical chart and what the what the generative AI is doing is helping them understand, uh, educate them on their condition, answer questions, and so this idea of using large language models and foundation models to actually have a conversation with medical records is a thing that is going to become commonplace. It'll become an avatar. Your medical record will be an avatar where you talk to the medical record to understand your condition. Same with clinicians. They'll have a, just a different, you know, for the for the consumer, it'll be a plain English conversation, maybe grade eight English or grade eight at whatever language. For the clinician, it might be a more sophisticated conversation. And for the operational person, it might be a different kind of conversation. 
So those are the kinds of things we see on the horizon for um, for uh, generative AI when it comes to um, potential opportunities for improving care. Yeah, and just thank you for laying that out, Shaz. And there's such a deep need for, I imagine that, especially on, on the patient side, when I think about, you know, uh, health literacy struggles, people mm -hmm. struggling to understand their healthcare. Healthcare can be complicated. Having a, a tool or, or sort of a, a guide that you can regularly interact with, I could just, yeah. it, it's easy to imagine how impactful that could be, right? I can tell I can only imagine. I, I so look, I'm, I, I joke, I'm the chat GTP for my family. As a physician, I get the, <laughs> the text and the call, and I'll, I'll have a, a radiology report texted to me from, from my family that says, please translate. And so then my text goes back, okay, this is what they're saying. This is what they mean. Don't worry about this part of it. And here's what you, you know, here's the follow-up you might get. And so you're right. Health literacy is, is an important part. We all need it. And, and it's an important part of self-care and, uh, and wellness. And that's an example. And it's, I mean, just imagine an MRI report, a CT report, a pathology report. And, uh, and we also talk about the, the difficulty in getting um, time from a clinician to explain these. I'm not trying to say that HIGP is a replacement for clinician. I want to be clear. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in terms of educating oneself, that these tools will be able to educate consumers at scale, whereas calling your doctor's office is not scalable for every question that you have. That's my point. So they're at scale education tools. Yeah, absolutely, and and give you a break from uh, from fielding all those calls from your family, Shaz. Um, <laughs> yeah. I well, you know, I, I it's hard for me to imagine someone listening to this who's who's in healthcare and, and doesn't get excited about some of the 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 technology advancements coming. Um, some some of these ways that technology is really going to help healthcare get its arms around the data here. Uh, that being said, though, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that a lot of healthcare organizations as as it's been mentioned in this conversation have too few resources here um you know and staffing is is, is a struggle and ad adopting new technology integrating new new technology isn't exactly easy in a lot of instances mm -hmm. so uh Shez, i want to ask you a, a three-pronged question here which is you know what first step would you recommend for an organization who want to get in on on this technology uh two are there any best practices or tools you'd specifically suggest um, and then three, who should be involved in, in facilitating those changes? You know, the if you're a health system and you're trying to explore how this can advance your your um, organization, it, when I look at it, operational forecasting is an area that's a very um, so look, clinical prediction generally is regulated. So you require FDA review and 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 clearance and, and depending on what country you are, CE mark or what have you. And so the space of clinical diagnosis and clinical prediction with AI is one that's much more challenging, not only from a regulatory point of view, but quite frankly, from physician and nursing acceptance point of view. On the other hand, there is so much operational effectiveness and efficiency that can come about with operational forecasting using AI and machine learning, that in my opinion, this is a great and natural place for organizations to enter the space, to learn about it, to use it, and to actually gain significant benefit and really not perhaps be um, caught into the, into the uh, friction initially of, look, is this good enough? Does it make, is it, is it approved and so on? So that that's would be, if I were, if I were still chief digital officer for health system today, um, I would start with operational forecasting, work with my operations leaders, my uh, nursing operations leader and, and start 
are there. And look, from our perspective, the job of technology companies like Philips is to make it easy to be able to implement and make it so that it's frictionless and effortless, workflow enabled. And I sort of think to myself that the best AI is invisible AI, one that is just embedded in a tool and it's just there. It's not a another thing you go to get predictions. So to my mind, part of it is our responsibility as technology providers is that we make it workflow enabled and invisible and simple and seamless so that when our customers and our partners are trying to use it, that it's seamlessly within their workflow. So it's a duality. It's partly um, the organization using it and partly the technology providers. And then how to go about it in this early phase where it's really, and I don't know how long it'll be before you could say it's commoditized. It might still be, we're still in the very early hype cycle. Um, really creating partnerships is the right way to go. But I, at Philips, I love it because we co-create, as I shared earlier, we partner with our customers and work with them to see what problems they want to solve. And if I were still chief digital officer and in health system, I would pick a partner like Philips and lean in and work together because they're going to be able to bring, we would be able to bring our expertise, which is technology and technology enablement, and the health system will bring deep knowledge of their organization and what problems they're trying to solve, and together, we would solve it together. So I, I would do it in a partnership. Pick a partner, go in deep, start with operational forecasting. Excellent. Well, well, Shaz, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and we have covered a lot of ground, and you shared, you shared a lot of insights. I really appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything you want to add here? Anything about the benefits um, that you want to either reemphasize for listeners or, or share for the first time or any any other closing thoughts you'd like to share right now? I think AI and particularly generative AI, look, we talk about the quadruple aim and, and we should we improve quality, reduce cost and improve the human experience, clinicians and patients. And so the nexus of the quadruple aim is generative AI. In my opinion, this is, the, is it going to be a quantum leap and not just incrementally. There's going to be a quantum leap in being able to deliver higher quality care at contained cost with improved human experience. So this is a, a train to jump on and to take advantage of because it comes at the right time in where we are in healthcare today. Thank you so much, Shaz. It, it really has been a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for having me on, on your show. And I also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Phillips. And listeners, you can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting beckerspodcast.com.